welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts, Mike Gore, Jocelyn Gotto, and James Kazina. This podcast is an all-in-one devotional, essential for anyone trying to figure out how to follow Jesus in today's world. Each month, we'll release four different episodes, including stories from the field, preaching, and conversations with special guests. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. Here's today's episode. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live Podcast. It's Mike Gore here in the Hills Podcasting Studio with Joss Gotto. For everyone listening, today is our 50th episode. Can you believe it, Joss? It's wild. can't believe 50 episodes worth of people wanting to listen to stories from the persecuted church, be encouraged by um, our brothers and sisters who share our faith, but not our freedom, and just are true um, heroes of the faith. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I love is being able to travel around or hear from people, speak in churches, even over Zoom these days. Yeah. But people who go, hey, man, I listened to that podcast and it's a great encouragement to me. And so from us uh, to all of our listeners, thank you so much. And as always, if you have a chance to rate, review, share it, please um, do all you can to get this podcast as far and wide as you can, because we believe that the persecuted church are some of the greatest spiritual mentors you could ever want in your faith. And our hope as a ministry and organization is that we can uh, help use their stories to encourage us in our walk with Jesus. And so I think that's probably a fitting place to be for our 50th episode, Joss. Maybe we could take a look back over some of those lessons, uh, the lessons learned, and really reflect on some of the more powerful elements that we've heard from the persecuted church over the last few years. I mean, at the start of the year, we were, you and I remember being in Asia with the team with Planet Shake because we had all of these plans for this year. I mean, there was lots of incredible opportunity for the ministry and all of a sudden we get back from that trip and the world, it starts to systematically shut down. And to be honest, like I said to the team the other week at Open Doors is, you know, there's this part of me that really hears in society and culture. Everyone tell me, man, I just cannot wait till 2020 is done. Yeah. But- For all of us listening today and what we're telling our team at Open Doors is just remember, waking up on January 1, 2021 does not mean this is over. And I think if I look back at the lives of people like Viktor Frankl and other people who have survived intense periods of isolation, one of the things they'd said was it was the people who had this illustrious dream, I guess, of you know, the war being over by Christmas. And then on Mm. Christmas Eve, they would start to get sick and within 24-hour period, they'd passed away. And, And although a metaphor... We need to be careful as Christians, the same thing doesn't happen to our faith come 2021. Yeah. I think we need to understand that we are now, COVID is written into the history books. We're living with it. It's part of what we do. It's always going to be around. And for those of us desperately wanting it to be over this year, we need to remember that it's highly unlikely that it will be. Yeah. In fact, it's probably the next couple of years we've got it and we need to make sure mentally, spiritually and emotionally we're starting to prepare ourselves for that. Yeah. I remember a couple of days ago, a friend asked me, who do I want to be in the middle of this? And I think it's the most important question. Well, one of the most important questions we can be asking ourselves right now, not, oh, I can't wait to be this person once this is over. I can't wait for the world to open back up again, for life to return to some sort of normal. But who do I want to be in the middle of this? And what do I want my faith to look like in the middle of this? Because God is still at work and He's still teaching us and shaping us and growing us. Um, And we have to lift our eyes to look at that rather than just this longing for all of this to be over. 
Um, so that's my encouragement to you today, or I guess my challenge to you is, who do you want to be in the midst of this pandemic? What do you want your faith to look like in the middle of this? Mm, what a great question. And and for some of you um, listening to this, you may know that this time of year, we would usually hold our whole tour called Open Doors Live. One of my favourite times of the year. The best. Oh, and we can't do it. <laughs> but it will always sort of dovetail into this podcast and we'll always put the talks up and stories it's where we'd learn lessons from the persecuted church and give support to different projects around the world. But one of the most beautiful things, Joss, was it was where the, the Australian or the New Zealand church would gather together under one roof, all denominations, all yeah. ages. I remember you'd have my kids there, six, seven years old, and then you've got grandparents there, and we're all there unified around the global body of Christ. It was a beautiful picture of church unity. Yeah, it really was something different and something I felt like was really unique. And so we're looking forward to hopefully um, gathering together again in 2021. But today we thought we could take a little walk down memory lane, like Mike said, and um, encourage you with some of the lessons we've learned across the years from the guests that we have had out for Open Doors Lives. We've had people from the Netherlands, from India, Central Asia, Iraq, um, and we've just absolutely loved learning and gleaning from all these different lessons um, and stories from these people who have just had these incredible experiences in their countries of what faith looks like and what following Jesus looks like. So without further ado, Joss, take us. us (laughs) Yes, the first lesson today comes from Vibo. In 2017, he came out uh, to Sydney and he is from the Netherlands and he's one of the creators of the World Watch List, which if you don't know, is a list that puts together the top 50 most dangerous countries to be a Christian. It's been released every year since the early 1990s and Vibo has been working on it that in entire time. He's one of its original creators and worked for the ministry well before uh, the World Watch List as well. So his experience in the persecuted church over the past really three, almost four decades is extensive. So he's a man who truly knows what it looks like Uh, to follow Jesus in all different parts of the world, what the cost looks like in different places. He knows all about uh, what it is like to be a Christian in North Korea at the moment, locked away in a labour camp um, purely for owning a Bible, or what it's like for women in Nigeria who've been kidnapped by Islamic extremists or, you know, put into forced marriages because they won't stop following Jesus. So he has this really holistic understanding of what faith looks like across the breadth of the entire church. Um, And he basically showed us how the persecuted church still live out this really bold and radical faith, even in the most difficult of times. He said, it's all about taking small steps of faith. And I love how Weibo said, when we trust upon the Lord, He is giving us enough light to take the next step. We would love to see the whole road, but we must rely on Him. Which I don't know about you, Mike, but I find that really frustrating. I think what Vibo is referencing here is a scripture in Psalm 119, where the psalmist talks about God's word being a lamp to our feet. And I find that frustrating because I want to see the whole picture. You know, I think it's part of, I guess it's part of control and just wanting to know what life looks like. And especially in this season of a pandemic, we're always wondering, like, when will we stop experiencing this? When will the waves and the up and downs of lockdown just leave our society? When will a vaccine be available? When will this trial be over? When will we have job security? I want to know all of the things. So why doesn't God light our entire path? And often when we look at the path ahead of us, everything kind of seems dark and it's full of uncertainty. But God promises to light the way and He promises to light the way by lighting each step. 
not the whole path, just each step. He is with us and He's paving the road forward with every small step of faith. And as we continue through a year filled of un- with unexpected things, we can be encouraged knowing that each small step of faith is part of God's good plan for His people and that we can trust in Him. So that's the first lesson I feel like God has armed us with from 2017 for 2020. All we have to do is just keep taking small steps of faith. Yeah, I love that when Weibo talked about it because what one of the things he said so sort of directly was he goes, I always read that scripture in Psalm 119 and thought it was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> he says, because why would you have a lamp and hold it to your feet? But as he reflected on it and as we all think about it, mm. the truth of it is if we could see the path or the whole path, it's very unlikely that we would actually walk it. Yeah, it's true. Right, but when you can see the next step, you have far more courage in just taking that step. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of that picture and even the, the way it portrays the faith walk, particularly for people in the persecuted church, is it's not about seeing the whole path. It's about obedient to taking the next step. And my hope is, as you touched on there, Jocelyn, that it's a encouragement to people in this season where we can't see the path. We can't see where the vaccine is. And the reality is, if we could see how far away it was, we may freeze. Yeah, totally. But Jesus is still in control. He still sits on the throne. And more than that, he is still a lamp unto our feet. And all we need to do as believers in him is courageously and obediently take the next step. Yeah, I love that. And so the second lesson today is that we noticed when we looked back over our time with Open Doors Live and the speakers we've had, well, the second lesson best comes from one of our partners in India. His name is Sandeep and he spoke with us in 2018. If you're not really familiar with India and what it's like to be a Christian there, I can tell you it's a place where following Jesus comes at an incredibly high cost. In India, a leader of a Hindu radical group came out and said that they plan to rid India of Christianity by 2021. Actually, we were able to have a Zoom with Sandeep just the other week, and he was saying the persecution has always been brutal and violent. In fact, just the day before we spoke with him, he received a call about a pastor who was coming back from a prayer meeting, was caught and brutally beaten. The pastor was in a coma, Josh, for 24 hours wow. and spent four days in ICU. Wow. Just think about that practically for a moment as well, because COVID is happening just as rampantly, if not more so, in a country as densely populated as India. So to be in an ICU, in a coma Mm. during this current climate um, is so much more intense. Absolutely. I mean, more than that, Sandeep also got word of a Christian nurse who had been working with COVID-19 patients. She was beaten and assaulted in the ward simply because she was a follower of Jesus. And we've heard so many stories of Christians in certain countries forced to work with infected patients without the correct PPE equipment, and they're put in those positions because their government believes they're expendable, because they're followers of Jesus. Mm. So our friend Sandeep shared with us these crazy stories of suffering, and yet when he met the church here in Open Doors Live, he reminded us that God was always working for the good of those who love him. Such a poignant reminder for us this year. The second lesson that we want to share today is that God is at work for the good of those who love him. I know if we're on social media at the moment and we look at the world around us and see many of the hidden injustices and human rights abuses coming to light, it can be incredibly overwhelming. But in 2 Corinthians 4 and verses 8 to 9, it says, We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. One thing I've always loved about learning from the persecuted church during this time, Joss, is the way they have reconciled suffering and 
Christ. They know that suffering in life is guaranteed. Jesus did not come to eradicate it right now. Instead, he gave us the hope that we desperately need to endure it. A good friend of mine once said, suffering is not a betrayal of the gospel, it's the essence of it. When we choose to follow Jesus, we choose to surrender everything and fix our eyes on the eternal. It's there we are reminded that we are not alone. God is using our lives as part of his story. Sandeep said, we must be a living sacrifice. It can be easy to sacrifice the things in life, but he said we must be a living sacrifice ourselves. Throughout life, we experience pain, hurt, and suffering, but we can be assured that God is by our side, and more than that, his plan steadily continues. I want to pose this question to you. Throughout the course of this year so far, have you ever questioned suffering? Or for that matter, during your relationship with God, have you dug into Scripture and truly wrestled with the Lord on why He allows some of the hard moments in life? Yeah, it's a really interesting question, Mike. And I remember reflecting, really, I feel like I've been reflecting on this Scripture since Sandeep came out. And what I think about suffering is that it's a tension. And being a Christian and experiencing suffering It's part of the promise. Like God doesn't promise to take away suffering from us when we become a Christian, but we live in this tension of holding both at the same time. And I think many of us as Christians, you know, we say that we live in this time of um, now, but not yet. And we're kind of in this period of waiting. And so we actually, all of our life mm. in some way is not not tension in a bad way. It's just, we're, we're not living for this life. This is not our home. Uh, we are actually waiting and we're living in a tension, waiting for what is to come. And I think in many ways it is similar when it comes to suffering. It's something that we need to live through and endure. And it's not something that God promises to take away, but it is something that he promises he will be with us through the, like through all of it, God will be beside us. And something that, um, you know, you were talking about 2 Corinthians 4 earlier. And if you go on later down in that passage, it's what I love because, you know, it's talking about that tension between being hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. That's a tension, right? But later on in the passage, it talks about how our present troubles are momentary and they won't last very long. This is from verse 17. Um, and yet they produce in us a glory that far outweighs them all and will last forever. So what we experience when we go through suffering is actually an eternal fruit. It's something that God is using to bring glory to himself here on earth and something that we will in some ways reap the rewards of later when we get to heaven. Yeah, and that's uh, I love that the scriptures go on to say that because I think when we talk about suffering, if I look back over the Western church, when I when I say Western, I mean Australia, New Zealand, USA, UK, yeah. over the last five or 10 years, one of the things that I've really noticed is the emergence of the theology of suffering. Mm. As a child growing up, it was not really regularly spoken about from memory. It yeah. was often, you know, I've got this idea bouncing around my mind at the moment, a message like called no MSG, right? <laughs> because at home, it's, it's the most random of occurrences, but our wireless internet home is MSG, Mike Sheridan Gore, right? And I thought to myself, one of the wrestles we face in society and culture today is kind of the additive gospel, right. okay? And so when I preach, when I talk, how much of the the Michael Sheridan, you know, how much of our kind of ilk or lens do we sort of add just as a bit of an additive to the gospel? Right. At the same time, MSG is an additive to food, right? And I think, <laughs> I thought, that's a perfect toy and I could preach that. <laughs> but I look back and I think with suffering, our wrestle is, Joss, that over the last however long in our lives, 
whether we like it or not, there has been an additive element to the gospel. Yeah. It's an element that says, hey, give your life for Jesus. It's the best thing you can do with it. To all my school friends, all the people that I've kind of grown out of sort of working with every day, but when I see them, I think, hey, if I evangelize them, maybe if I just tell them that Jesus is awesome, Jesus is good, Jesus gives good things, well, all of a sudden it becomes an additive gospel. Yeah. And I think that's one of the real wrestles in Western cultures understanding a theology of suffering, whereas you marry that with Eastern cultures or mm-hmm. Southeastern cultures mm-hmm. in this example, and it's part and parcel. It's life every day. I remember Sandeep said, Mike, one of the wrestles in the West is that the, the scriptures talk about carrying your cross. He says, what I do is I see people in your country, you're willing to hold the weight of the cross, but you're not willing to walk with it. He says, whereas in countries like our own, not only do we hold the cross, but we take steps with it daily. And I found out a really beautiful picture that in Western cultures, yeah, we do. We can say, hey, man, life is tough. It is hard. But actually in those moments, we don't take the next step. Yeah. We stand still and we just keep saying, it's life. It's heavy. Yeah, it's hard. so true. And, and Sandeep's saying, yeah, but unless you walk, mm. you're missing the whole point. And so mm. that for me is how I reconcile suffering. I need to make sure, number one, that I don't preach an additive gospel. Mm. I don't sort of add sweetness to the message to try and make Jesus look more palatable, look cooler, look more relevant, yeah. avoid suffering, get the job, get the pay rise, whatever you add to it. I need to make sure I preach a true and accurate gospel that outlines the cost of faith. And then in the process, I need to walk truly with people, empathize with them, acknowledge the weight of the cross, Mm. but then more than that, stand next to them and encourage them to take the next step. Yeah, I love that. And I love how it's kind of woven back into our first lesson for today of learning how to just to take the next step of faith. And if we can be doing that together, I mean, how powerful is community when it comes to uh, walking with Jesus? We're not meant to do this alone. Off the back of that, we actually in New Zealand had a different guest in 2018. We couldn't get Sandeep from India over. And so we had Father Douglas who is, he lives in New Zealand, but he is from Iraq. He was a pastor in Iraq and uh, fled there during the war. And he challenged us to take and to live lives of courageous faith in times of struggle, which it can really seem like a very counterintuitive thing to do. But when we are suffering or struggling, it can be so easy to want to withdraw from people, right? To actually avoid that community that we're called to live in. Um, And we don't feel like sharing faith. We don't really want to share uh, our struggles or our sufferings. But Father Douglas reminded us that we are Christians on good days and bad days. You know, you're not less Christian on a bad day. You're not more Christian when you're having a good day. It's all just, you're just Christian every day. And Father Douglas, as I mentioned, he's from Iraq and he has seen the church there endure so much hardship at the hands of ISIS. And even now in the face of this pandemic, the Iraqi people are suffering. I can't imagine what it would be like to live in a country that's been war-torn for the Mm -hmm. best part of, I don't know, a decade, two decades. Um, and then to, you know, be in the process of rebuilding kind of the aftermath of war uh, for then this pandemic to hit. But Jesus calls us to take up our cross and to follow him no matter the season. His plans never stop and neither should we as we carry out his kingdom building mission. At a time like this, we've been given a chance to be courageous and to put our faith into action and be that light in our communities and to our neighbours. Because now more than ever, the world needs the hope of Jesus. It's exactly right, Josh. So you take small steps of faith. Know God is at work for the good of those who love Him. And it's more important now than ever to share the hope of Jesus. Mm. 
But as we bring this lesson to a close, I wanted to land on the final lesson in today's episode, which is God's plan is never put on hold. I actually think it's a really important one for people who might be grieving all the things they've had to give up and let go of this year. Yeah, Weddings that never happened or the funerals that had to look differently, the loss of jobs and income opportunities, and even other special events. There's been a lot of plans put on hold for 2020, but we need to remember it doesn't include God's plan. Yeah. At last year's Open Doors Live, I had the privilege of sharing about the way God still has a plan and purpose for each of our lives, and more than that, it's the journey that makes us great. My own life story is wrapped up a lot in that lesson because I was born a Hindu, adopted out of India when I was six months old. My life, it could have looked vastly different, but no matter what happened, God had a plan and purpose for my life, and more than that, nothing could derail it. And I think it's something we have to learn this year. If we had to let go of everything we valued and held dear, we would discover that Christ is all that we need and that he will still accomplish what he has set out to accomplish. Isaiah 55 and verse 11, it tells us, the Lord says, so it is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The question I want to leave you with is what if 2020 wasn't a write-off, but what if this year was actually the kickstart our faith desperately needed? I love that. And I remember, you know, you said that towards the start of the pandemic to our team, what if this is the kickstart that our faith desperately needed? And I feel like it's resonated with a lot of people and it's resonated with me. And, you know, we can circle back to that question I asked at the top of the podcast as well of, well, who do you want to be in the middle of this? Like if 2020 wasn't a write-off, well, then who are you going to be in the middle of this? What is God doing? How is he at work? How is this impacting your faith? How will you let it be something that just grows you? One of the greatest lessons for me this year, Joss, and you will know because I say it all the time, but Mm. too often we let the past determine our present. Yeah. We should respect and honour the past. I mean, we should call it out for what it is. It can be painful, it can be hurtful, it can be joyful, all of those things, right? But we should be only ever driven by a picture of who we can become in the future. Mm. 2020, it's almost kind of forcing my hand to look at the past and lament. Mm. Man, we, we, you know, we were all set to do this this year, all of this was happening. And, and what I found in those moments, all I am is depressed and upset. Yeah, but my life principle is to not be driven by the past. It's to be driven by who I can become in the future. And mm. even just in the last two weeks, my hope is it's an encouragement to anyone listening because if you're like me and for many of our team, we, we broke our lives down into these four buckets just recently, okay? Mm. Now, we asked people to self-identify, are the buckets full or are they empty? And we said, you have an emotional bucket in life. So if you're listening and you draw a picture of four buckets on a sheet of paper, label one emotional, one physical, one spiritual, and one creative. And we sort of asked our team, hey, could you sit for uh, half a day and just really think, where are you in those buckets? Because looking around at life and culture and society, all of this stuff is getting on top of us. Mm -hmm. And so people sort of marked at different levels of where their buckets were at. And to be able to share mine with listeners, I found that my um, physical bucket's pretty full. I've been pretty good throughout COVID, being able to stay fit and healthy. Uh, I found that my spiritual bucket's quite good. I've been regularly reading the Bible and praying um, I got to my emotional bucket and I, I paused and I realized, man, that's almost spent. Yeah. Like it really is low, if not empty. Yeah. And then I jumped through um, to the creative bucket and I realized that was low too. And so what I realized was that, hey, you know what? All, this year is getting on top of me. 
But part of it is because I've been falling into the trap of going, hey, yeah, but this was meant to happen. Yeah. We're going to pull this off. I've stopped looking forward and I've started looking backwards and letting the past determine the present. Mm. My hope is as an encouragement to listeners today, remember, we need to respect and honour the past, but always be driven by a picture of who we can become in the future. Because that's where that hope is found. It's where you can start looking at 2020 as not the great year it all fell apart, but a year of opportunity. Yeah. For us as a ministry, it's a year of opportunity to do things in a new way, to find ways of communicating the message of the persecuted church more directly and conveniently for people. This is a year full of hope, mm. full of opportunity. Mm. And what's funny is you talk about tensions. The reality is, is that, you know what, hope and fear, they coexist. Yeah. But I always say the only thing greater than fear in life is hope. 2020, it can be a year of hope. Our job is to not let the past determine the present. It's to be driven by a picture of who we can become in the future, knowing that God's plan, it's not null and void. Mm. It's still on track. So I hope you found today's episode encouraging and challenging as we look back across the years of Open Doors Live. There's so many different lessons wrapped up in today's episode. And if you want to dive deeper into any of those or unpack them a bit more, you can head to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz where there's some more exclusive content for you to check out of Open Doors Live across the years. There's links to previous podcasts with our special guests and ways that you can give and make a difference in 2020. So thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts, Mike Gore, Jocelyn Gotto and James Kazina. We hope the life-changing stories and lessons from the persecuted church help you follow Jesus no matter the cost. To find out more, head over to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. I'm your producer, Bethany Ross, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast.